Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Investment News Podcast. I'm Jeff Benjamin, co-hosting with Bruce Kelly. We are sponsored this episode by Schwab Asset Management. Thank you for that. And our guest today is Candice Carlton, Executive Vice President of Advisor Growth Marketing Solutions at FICOM Partners. Candice is calling in today from uh, the left coast. She's probably on the beach. We're not sure, but uh, she seems to have pretty good audio. So, so we're going to trust that she can uh, stay with us here. Um, we are talking today about something that was, was kind of interesting. It came out about a month ago. Merrill Lynch uh, launched a new tool for advisors to record and share custom videos, and they've got a whole platform for that. And I was talking to Candace about this a little bit, and uh, it it really, as she kind of sees it, it's, it, it kind of translates into a wake-up call for independent advisors because it, it basically turns up the competition because, you know, if a giant warehouse like Merrill can do it, uh, you got to mean you got to kind of imagine they're going to do it well and do it right and put some money behind it. So, so Candice, welcome to the program. How you doing? Thanks so much, Jeff. And the uh, I'm down in Cali, which is the best coast. I think it's <laughs> okay. that part. I will I will correct that next time. I won't say left. Okay. I'll say best. All right. Okay. Uh, I think, Jeff, I think it's a really exciting conversation to be having. And so I'm so thankful to be on here with you and Bruce. Thanks for, for hosting. You know, we have been mad proponents of video for years. And the fact that Merrill in their statement said, look, video is not new, but we're ready. We've got compliance screening. We've got scripts. We've got coaching. And our advisors are going to be using video and distributing it through email and social media is massive. We're like, we feel like it's a great move. Like personally, I'm like, oh my gosh, Meryl, I can't believe you did that. But it's also an indication that there's an opportunity for all the RAs in the independent space to have been on video almost yesterday. You know, if Meryl's doing it, it it's, it's a sign to all of us in the independent space, like advisors should be on video. I mean, that's, that's the point. You, you, obviously, Merrill is a, you know, they, they move like a Titanic, you know, they're not going to rush into anything. But what about the, the resources that they could put behind this thing? And how does that put pressure on independent advisors to basically up their game if they're not there already? So I think that the opportunity that RAs in the independent space have is there's a lot more freedom in the content that they can create. So if we think about uh, an advisor maybe at a bigger wirehouse or an investment management bank, I think that they're still going to be speaking and marketing from kind of that traditional frame of reference of building credibility and hopefully staying in, in, in contact. What we know in the RIA space though is the competitive advantage is advisors are really aligned in terms of being able to have a little bit more freedom to meet their clients where they are. So to speak authentically, to create messaging that's from the heart, that speaks very specifically to their target client. And I think what I believe is that they have the opportunity they and practice, I think that they have the practice ahead of being a lot more human and authentic. So I think that's the space that we're that much more heart-driven, human, authentic. Like if we look at some of the things that Merrill's building, and I applaud them again for it, you know, I would imagine they're going to have some scripts. And we just know, for example, like scripting never really works. 
but it does keep people, you know, on point. So I think in the independent wealth management space, we have the opportunity to continue to drive forward that heart-centered, like human approach in client communications. Candice, but doesn't this have to be scripted to an extent? I mean, because, you know, it's a broker-dealer, so they have to run everything through compliance and anything that's advertised or that, that counts as an advertisement of sorts um, has to be approved by FINRA, I believe, right? Like if you're a broker, you can't even... It's like being in the CIA or something. You can't you can't write a book and publish it. Yeah, that's a that's a without good point. Finra approving it, right? So, and I'm I'm thinking of that because I'm reading some letters by John Le Carre who wrote, you know, British spy novels for years. There's a new collection of letters out by him and he had to when he first started writing his novels, he was still in the secret service there. He had to get it approved um by you know the authorities there first it's like it's just like being a broker here in, here in the states rias are different because they're under the sec mostly mm-hmm. right yeah. if you, no. how does that all shake out do you think i think that's the advantage that we have and i was thinking you mean the independent to, advisor in the, yeah in the independent space i think they have the advantage of not being so heavily regulated and being able to take a much more human approach. If I think about, you know, I worked at United Capital before they were acquired by Goldman Sachs, and it must have been about 10 plus years ago, we actually built an in-house video messaging tool for our advisors because everything we were doing in-house was with a video first approach. And our advisors said, I wanna be able to do this with my prospects and clients. And at the time we went out to the market and none of the video messaging tools could meet our security standards. And um, we couldn't buy them either. We actually said, look, our cybersecurity team will do your security check for free because we'd like to use you. And they said no. So we built it in-house. And I remember at the time, our compliance team was the first to go to the SEC and say, how do we archive this amount of video from all of our advisors? And they had said, they said at the beginning, they said, this is the first time we've ever been asked this. We've never been asked this before. So we have the to SEC figure this out. Said, the SEC said that back then. Yeah, the SEC said that. So I think what we have found is like often there's a perception from advisors and RIAs that compliance is a roadblock in them creating videos. When in actuality, it's not. It just applies the same marketing rule. So if it's one to many, it might need to go through compliance or you might have to have pre-approved bullets versus a script. And I don't see, I don't think, I wouldn't imagine that Merrill is going to be able to have that kind of um, room to wiggle with so that people on video can actually show up in a much more authentic way. I mean, if you're reading from a script, I've worked on professional shoots to DIY shot and uh, shot videos and coaching advisors. We've tried scripting and teleprompters. And unless you're a trained CNBC expert, you just come across as like a robot. And then the power of video is lost. So it will be interesting to see how they're able to navigate that. Right. Because, Jeff, you know, like Josh Brown, for example, is an ex-broker who mm-hmm. became uh, an investment advisor. And he, he was the first Twitter advisor. Right. And he yeah. said whatever he wanted on Twitter. He could never do that if he was working at a broker dealer. Right. Well, there's still a lot of advisors that I talk to, and you probably talk to too, Bruce, RIAs that say we got to run that. They have their own, they have compliance and they have to run that past. But I I don't know. I mean, what, Candace, what do you anticipate seeing from Merrill? Yeah. And have you seen any of these videos yet? Have they done any? 
I mean, you know what? Quite frankly, I went and watched their kind of their advertisement video, like their of like their tool, and I'm surprised. It's pretty cool. Like I was kind of surprised. I like watched the trailer for it and I was like, Meryl, like this is pretty cool. I never thought I would say that. I mean, quite honestly. But it looks, you know, they've got the right, they understand that like we're using video in our personal lives. We're like watching videos on social media. We're sending videos to our friends and families. We're using FaceTime. So people, we're, what we're just seeing, like I always think about is we're moving the way we communicate in our personal lives to our professional lives. It's really as simple as that. And I think there's been uh, potentially like a fear around it because it's considered still like maybe like cutting edge or cool or nice to have. But what we see across the board is advisors who are using it, they're just using it as a tool to build trust online before prospects come in the, in the door. And then with their clients, they're, they're implementing a communication cadence, one-to-ones, just sending random one-to-one -one emails, or if they're the market event, they're shooting a video on their phone and then they're sending it to all their clients, or they keep hearing the same question come up across client meetings. They answer it on a video and they send it to their client base. Like video is now being used as a tool to actually stay in front of clients in a way that historically hasn't so that they feel as though they're seeing their advisor even more than the twice a year like semi-annual reviews that they might be doing do you have any examples of, of rias that are that are doing it well right now so i think that there is a lot of rias taking it on i've been surprised at how many of them are actually going on to youtube and publishing videos on on youtube and i and i applaud them i think they're doing a phenomenal job and if I think about advisors where you could actually see their work on a public profile of YouTube, I would check out um, Mike Zung, M-I-K-E-Z-U-N-G. He's a solo practitioner. You can check out how he's using videos. And he said, you know, when he was working with his clients one-to-one, -one, he would find himself explaining things on a whiteboard. So he took that really authentic approach to what he does, what he was doing every day, and he started creating content for his clients, but publishing it on public channels like YouTube. And he tells the story about how the first time a prospect ever came through the door and said, I saw you on YouTube, like what a weird experience that was, but how cool it was. Um, another example, if you're thinking about like a big firm, like one brand versus a solo practitioner, you could check out Capital Group PCS, so Private Client Services Group, which has historically only marketed from a brand perspective. And you see all these really individual advisors on their RIA side. So, and what they're doing really right is across the board, leading with authenticity, being really targeted in their messaging to who they're speaking to. But you can see that they're all aligned with the brand values, but they're, they're recognizing even on a big brand way, the same way that Merrill did, that people are going online to research their advisors. And so when you can click into a video, you get a sense of who someone is and if you enjoy working with them. But what do you see as the advantage of doing video though? If you're, if you're an advisor, are you doing video so that somebody can see, oh, this is a real person who has a real personality and stuff like that? Or are they trying to do what the guy with the whiteboard's doing and say, hey, I'm gonna solve some simple problems here for you, or I'm gonna show you about the importance of compounding or something like that. And they say, oh, okay, this is this guy's smart and he's he's somebody I wanna use. I mean, what, if, if an advisor is just kind of kicking the tires on this, 
what should they be thinking about? Do they do, you know, you don't want to do video just to do video, right? You got to have some kind of a agenda. Yeah. So I think about it a couple of different ways like this is number one, if you're putting video, for example, on your website or your social media channels, it really does let your network get a sense of who you are. So they're looking for an advisor. Their credentials are kind of table stakes. And now they're trying to figure out, are you someone that I'm going to call at three o'clock in the morning when I have an emergency or someone I want to speak to if my spouse has died? Are you someone that I vibe with? Are you someone that I can trust, right? So before they even come to advisors from a prospect experience, what we're finding is they know whether or not they want to hire that advisor. It's, that isn't established in that first meeting. It's established online. And if you've got video, it exemplifies it and maximizes it. So I think there's that part. And then I think all of the content should always be like value add educational. So answering FAQ, solving problems, addressing uh, volatile markets, if there's something going on. And then I think even in terms of like humanizing and supercharging any touch points that they have. So, you know, as we talked about, it could be uh, they send a monthly newsletter, adding video to it. The clients feel like they've seen the advisor or in one-to-one -one client follow-up meetings, like saying, this is what we covered. This is all the things. These are the action items. So just really supercharging it, humanizing it. And in some cases, even closing gaps in process. So for example, uh, if an advisor always is talking about like answering the question, like how do I get to the client portal? They could pre-shoot a video and have it in their library to pull and use versus oh, like, yeah. that conversation a million times. I love that. I mean, because a lot of times when I'm trying to, let's say I got some household minor plumbing project or something like that, I can Google it and they'll give me a step-by-step -step thing that I got to read or I can go to YouTube and it'll show me how to do it. And they're all searching on YouTube, right? Like how to do things. And then, so if you pop up as an advisor, like how much should I be saving? What should I do with elder care? Like things. And then people are going to Google. Google's rewarding YouTube right now. You go onto YouTube and that's an example. They get to know you. They build trust and you're solving a problem. How polished do these videos have to be? Do they have to be kind of production quality or can they, is it, is it okay if they look a little like a Blair Witch Project type thing? Or, I mean, can you do it on your phone? Well, you know what's so interesting, especially with the release of the Merrill tool, is we often have advisors that might come into one of our workshops and they've been following like a YouTube influencer. So they've gone and they've bought all this really like expensive gear. Mm -hmm. And then it just sits in a box in the corner of their office and they never actually do anything with it because it's just too complicated, right? Mm -hmm. So we always say like the the least amount of barriers you can create to video, to actually creating the videos, the more likely you're to create it. So with Rare Technologies, you can create it on your phone, you can go on your webcam, you can use a tool like Loom or Soapbox by Wistia. And the production value to your point isn't as important as like the key principles, which is like you have some on-camera tips, right? You know like how to show up on camera. Your backdrop looks, clean and professional, you've got some decent lighting, and then you're just showing up authentically. So you're on camera and the same way you are on video is the same experience we would have of you if we were to meet you in person. So I always say authenticity trumps production value every day. And if I'm a client and I get a video from my advisor, the market's just tanked and they shoot it on their phone and it's not great, but they're reassuring me, gosh, I'd love to have that video then have nothing or even like an email. Like the video feels to me like 
an extra step has been taken, like my advisor cares, and that's what we hear from clients. Schwab Asset Management is proud to sponsor the Investment News Podcast. In today's complex world, Schwab Asset Management provides a simple, straightforward approach to investing. As one of the largest and most experienced asset managers, they offer low-cost core ETFs for building the foundation of a diversified portfolio. Their focused lineup, which includes market cap index and strategic beta ETFs, is a reflection of a commitment to deliver exceptional experiences to investors and the financial professionals who serve them. Learn more at schwabassetmanagement.com backslash ETFs. That's schwabassetmanagement.com backslash ETFs. Bruce, anything else for uh, Candice? Yeah. Hey again, Can- uh, Candice. Uh, just hey, Bruce. You worked uh, with Joe Duran, at, uh, I guess, at United Capital. I did. Just could you tell us a little bit about about yourself and your background? And Yeah, Bruce. So if you hear of a little bit of an accent, it's because I'm originally from Zimbabwe and I went to school in Cape Town, South Africa. I've only ever worked in the independent RA space prior to coming to FICOM. So I worked at Mercer Advisors at the time they were in Santa Barbara. I started on the investment management desk and actually built all their investment management flows that they're still working on. And then I went to and, go... And when was that, Candice? When about was that? When was that? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> like Candace, trying to like go to your go to your LinkedIn page. Yeah, I'm like that. trying to work back. I'm like, when it doesn't did you know, I graduate? Ten years ago, college? twenty years ago, it wasn't fifty years ago, obviously. No, know. when did I graduate college? Okay, so I started working at Mercer Advisors in 2006. Okay, so 2006. around fifteen years ago or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went to work for United Capital in 2014. Right. And then I did some consulting and I built, for example, XY Planning's Growth Marketing Workshop. Oh, okay. So you've worked at some really big firms that have had a lot of impact. Yeah. And then I came to FICOM to build our scalable solutions for advisors, so to pull everything that I learned from how we helped our advisors grow at United Capital to have a bigger impact. So you were at United, were you at United Capital when uh, it was sold to Golden? I just before. Just before. So you started before the sale. No, sorry. I left just before the sale. Okay. What? uh, So United Capital, right? They had a, like a one branding platform, right? Yeah. Is, is as opposed to say Focus Financial, which has Mm -hmm. a multiple brand, right? Uh, I think some people don't take that in consideration when they talk about RAA aggregators, you know, the marketing and the, the brand and the marketing and all that kind of stuff. Does video play into that at all? Do you think like if you're a, you know, like a Merrill Lynch broker or advisor, you're a Merrill Lynch advisor, right? Um, as opposed to being an individual, but you know, if you're a United Capital advisor, you're a United Capital advisor, as opposed to being someone owned by Focus. Does the video have anything to do with that or? Yeah. So when I think about, it's a question we get all the time, which is like, like, should you be marketing with just the brand or should you be marketing your individual advisor brands? And so more and more what we're seeing, what we know is like people do not buy from brands. 
people buy from people. And especially when we're thinking about like the advisor client relationship, you're looking for someone that you can trust. You're looking for someone that shares a similar worldview with you. Someone that you can share the embarrassing things that you might have done with your money or that might be going on in your family that are impacting your financial security. So when we think about video, and that's why I use the Capital Group PCS example, one brand, all of their advisors have the exact same job and they work for the exact same company. But if you watch their videos, every single one of them has a different story because they're different people and they're going to attract and work with different types of clients. So when we think about video being used in the context of like one brand or United Capital, those clients care about where they work, that it's a company that's not gonna steal their money, that's reputable, but then that's kind of like a, a, a checkbox. The next thing they're wondering is who am I working with? And it's really the who. So video is that medium for advisors to be able to show up and to get a sense of what it would be like to work with them. And I think what you were, you, it, it seems apparent from your, the conversation here, authenticity is a, is a huge uh, key or a big do, right? Uh, for advisors, what are some don'ts? You know, I mean, what are what are some things? One or two, like simple mistakes that advisors might make. Yeah. So when we think about video, and we think like, here's the reality: anyone can make a video, right? Anyone can make a video. Anyone can create a social media post. Anyone can launch a podcast. So I think we've all become very discerning. We can tell when someone is selling to us. We can tell when someone's not speaking from firsthand experience, and we can tell when someone's reading from a script. So when we think about creating connection and building trust, which is what advisors are doing, and they do really well in person, and we're thinking about taking that to a digital realm and using it in video, it's those things. It's like speak from firsthand experience. Don't try to sell, add value, and throw out the script. Yeah, again, just to, and this will be my last point, Jeff, the, before kicking it back to you, the, just the whole notion of a huge, of a big brokerage firm dealing with this, they, it just, in my experience of, you know, 20 plus years writing about brokerage, broker dealers, they're so different in how they operate in compliance than RIAs. They both have to be compliant, but broker dealers, just everything takes forever and it's so slow and it's just, there's layers and layers of bureaucracy built up in so many of these institutions. You do have to tip your cap to Merrill Lynch, uh, right, for for investing in this. Um, but it's really, to me, it's going to be interesting. I just think it's another thing that RIAs can use as an advantage over brokerage firms. I mean, I could I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think I think it's cool. It's interesting, and it's a great move by Merrill Lynch. It'll be interesting to see how they navigate it. And I I always think about the RIA and the independent wealth management space really being the leaders in kind of like pushing the boundaries to operate in a way that really serves clients to the highest degree possible. And so, and being the most innovative because of that. And so it will be interesting to see how the Merrill plays out. And then also, again, I think it's an indication for the RAA space to say, look, it's time. We should be in video and we should have been there yesterday. And now's a great time to start. Okay. That, that's good stuff. Jeff? 
just a couple quick things here, Candice, before we let you get back to your uh, surfboard. Um, <laughs> what uh, do, you, do you think? Can you think of any other examples of of big firms like Merrill that are kind of moving in this direction? We're already there. Yeah, Jeff, you know, I was looking at this Merrill Lynch article and then I started to read about how Brighton Jones is revamping their advisor marketing and they're going to launch YouTube and Spotify for their advisors shortly. So I think all of a sudden what we're seeing is these bigger firms that were historically not in this space recognizing the need and the opportunity to be in it for the future. And so I think it's kind of I, weirdly enough, I feel like it's kind of exciting. I feel like, okay, like we're all on this train. And so um, it will be interesting to see how it all plays out. But if they're on Spotify, if they're going to Spotify and YouTube for their advisors, I think, again, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And what about TikTok? Is this something, we're talking video, is, is TikTok kind of a little bit too out there for, for this market or no? You know, I've recently become obsessed with TikTok. I'm newer to the platform. I find I have to limit the time I watch to TikTok to like 30 minutes a day, and I'm not even joking. Uh, what I've, what's been really interesting because I've kind of been trying to understand it, and I'd be categorized as like old for TikTok, an older millennial. Like they, they talk about us millennials on TikTok. And I've been watching people who give financial advice all the way to these getting ready with me makeup videos where I was watching the other day, like she was talking about tax planning while she was doing her makeup. And I was just like fascinated. It's a completely new medium. I think it's it's definitely speaking to the Gen Z and beyond. Uh, but the fact that I have moved as a millennial from Instagram to TikTok, I think is like, it's showing that there's going to be some type of trend. I think Facebook's kind of done. It's doneers. Instagram is getting ad heavy. So there might be more of a move there. And I'd say, again, always the early starters are the ones that really learn and get to see and take advantage of what the medium could offer. Okay. And then the final question I want to ask is, and we've kind of talked around this topic, but if you're a finan if you're an RIA, all right, you, you're, you've already told them that you, you get get going here in this area what's the first thing you should do what's the first thing you should do do you got to write a script buy a camera yeah if, if i was an advisor and i was contemplating doing video the first thing i would do is get coaching i think you don't really need you can download loom or soapbox by wistia i think they charge like 300 bucks a year it's nothing use your webcam and then get some coaching. Obviously at FICOM, we have our one day DIY video workshop. There's other firms out there doing coaching around video because I believe video is just a skill. I think it's for anyone and everyone and it's just about mastering those skills. And I think in years to come, it will be a, a skill that's taught in school the same way creative writing is. Okay, Candice Carlton of FICOM Partners, really good people out there on the West Coast. Uh, if you ever get out there, you got to visit them because they love taking hikes during the day and drinking water and stuff like that. <laughs> a lot of great people there. Green juice, hikes. green juice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Launching every Monday. It's another episode of the Investment News Podcast. We want to thank our special guest this week, Candace Carlton from FICOM. We also want to thank our producer, Angelica Hester, and our sponsor this week, Schwab Asset Management. 
You can find the podcast, of course, at investmentnews.com. You can also get it on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. You can query Jeff Benjamin on Twitter. His handle is at BenjiRider. My handle is at BDNewsGuy. Stay tuned. We'll be talking to you next week. Next week.